The Stream Chapter 1 The Shape of a Perfect Heart I've always loved streams. There's something magical about them, from the sound of rushing water and the scents emitted by the spongy green moss surrounding it, the sight of the scene bathed in golden sunlight, to the feel of the crisp, cool water spraying onto my hands and face as I sit still beside. It's easy to imagine a whole other world in such a place. Which is why, now, in the telling of my story, I no longer know if it truly happened, or the scene before me had only fueled my imagination. Early one morning, just as the sun was peeking up from the horizon, I woke up earlier than usual, startled out of a dream I could no longer remember once awake. I always wondered why that happens. A dream so vivid and strong just dissipates completely upon awakening, leaving only its essence. There was no sense lying in bed, as I would just have laid there, frustrated by not being able to fall back asleep. So I forced myself out of bed, and in just my nighty and my husband's green-knitted slippers, I snuck off to my favorite place, being cautiously quiet so as not to wake any of my children. A shiver went through my body as the moment I stepped out of the door into the sharp, biting air. The mornings had been getting progressively cooler, and that morning was no exception. I had the fleeting thought of heading back inside to grab a jo- jacket, but the thought of waking up any of my children and being stuck inside kept me headed in the direction of the stream. It wouldn't be long before the sun would be fully up, taking the chill off all that she touched. Once inside the forest, I was careful to step only on the dark stones which led to my spot by the stream. It had become a tradition or a fetish, I'm not sure which. (laughs) The air was cooler by the stream and littered with tiny droplets of water, so that when I walked, it felt as though I stuck my face over one of those mists in the produce section at the grocery store. I looked down at the skin on my arm and watched the goosebumps rise. My body started to shiver, but I didn't mind. I was headed to what would be my one peaceful moment to myself for that day. It's not that I didn't love my children and my family. Not at all. Perhaps I loved them so much that I'd given them all that I had of myself, more than I should have, and was just left with a thin shell of what I once was. I needed that spot away from it all to fill myself back up, if only for a short while. The closer I got to my special tree, or trees I should say, the warmer it felt. It felt as though they held some kind of magic. There were three maples, all braided together, to make what looked like one giant knotted-up maple tree. Beautiful. I always wondered who'd taken the time to braid them in that way, and if they knew what an enchanted effect it had given to that part of the forest. When I reached the base of the maple, I glanced down. My eyes were immediately drawn to a single red leaf. All the others were still very green. Upon closer inspection, I saw that the center had been eaten away by a bug into the shape of a perfect heart. I picked it up and carefully placed it into the pocket of my nightgown. I always thought that a pocket in a nightgown was quite useless, but at that moment I was thankful for it. Seven more stones and I'd be at my spot. A large, flat granite rock, looking somewhat out of place among the field stones. It felt as though someone had brought it there from far away just for me to sit on. 
My imagination always started to stir uncontrollably once past the maple tree. It was my escape, my retreat, and I never tried to leash my thoughts out there. I leaned over and brushed the dust and twigs from my rock, and then sat down. I drew my legs up close to me under my nightie and hugged them for warmth. The deep breath I took in filled every crevice of my body with relief and calmness, and my mind emptied. I stared out at nothing in particular and let my thoughts slowly drift back to me. At first, abstract images of my childhood came, happy times when I still believed in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. No memory that I could fully grasp, just feelings and impressions. Then slowly, random pictures flashed into my memory. So fleeting, like having something on the tip of my tongue but not being able to say it. Eventually, one memory stayed with me. The memory of drawing, drawing fairies. I had always been exceptionally gifted at drawing. My teachers never failed to tell me that I had a talent when it came to art. It wasn't something that I had to work hard at. It just came naturally. For that reason, I never felt proud or better than anyone for it. I felt more like it was just the way I was, nothing special. Something I'd been born with, like someone is born with black hair or blue eyes. Just another trait. Most of the kids in my class respected me for it at least when it came to art class. One day during art class, I'd been helping one of the girls with her drawings. I think her name was Julie. She was a boisterous girl, very loud, not afraid of anything. Some may have thought of her as a bully. She was from the popular crowd, <laughs> a crowd foreign to me. But she liked me. She was my friend. We were supposed to be copying a picture, and she was having a hard time getting it right, so she just came to me for help. For the most part, I enjoyed being able to draw. I was shy, but I liked the positive attention I received for it. I became immediately immersed in this drawing of hers, fixing it up and adding little intricacies to it. I wasn't aware of what, I was, what was going on around me. I had become entranced by what I was doing. It was the lunch buzzer that broke my concentration. When I came to, I looked up to see the whole class had surrounded my friend's desk where I sat drawing, watching in awe at what I'd created. I looked down at the sheet of paper and was startled. <laughs> Every inch of the paper was covered with tiny little fairies, so detailed and full of life, they seemed to leap off the page. From that moment on, I became fascinated with drawing fairies. Any moment I wasn't writing down notes for class, I was busy creating fairies. Fairies of every imaginable type. I could just see their personalities develop as my pencil unveiled their images. I named and came up with stories for each and every one. It became much more than just a hobby for me. More of an addiction. I didn't see, as a, 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 I didn't see it as an escape at the time, but looking back now, I'm almost certain it was. Though what I was trying to escape, I don't know. It was a whole other world for me. Their world was so full and com complex that I never thought of it as something that I had created. More like an entirely separate existence that my mind had leashed onto. Somehow I was able to become a part of their world through imagination. 
I never saw the danger in it. To me, it was just something that had become a part of me, or rather, I, a part of it. Not once did I share this fairy world with anyone. The only solid evidence of them were my pictures. From the outside, one could only tell that I enjoyed doodling fairies, nothing more. They knew nothing of their lives, for that existed in my head alone. As each year passed, my fascination with fairies grew. My art teacher, Miss Piddleton, was not so fascinated by them. She seemed to think that I belittled her projects, and I didn't take them seriously because my fairies always found a way into them. I had the impression she was jealous of my talent. <sighs> a rather short, pudgy lady with gray hair and a little nose that came to a stiff point became quite annoyed with my fairies. My aunt told me that Miss Piddleton studied art to become an artist, not an art teacher. In all of the years that she'd studied, she'd only sold one painting. It turned out that the purchaser was an admirer of her rather than of her art. When she found that out, she was furious. Poor, na poor man never had a chance after that. In order to make a living, she began teaching art to high school students. Anyone with an ounce of talent or potential was not going to be given a fair chance by her. I could never figure her out. I always thought that if I were in her position, I'd take the talented students under my wing and mentor them, give them every chance at success. Well, then again, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would have done just as she had, too consumed with bitterness to do anything helpful. I don't know. The stream gradually came back into focus. A tiny fish jumped out of the water and brought me out of my thoughts. I hadn't thought of those fairies in years. Probably not since I married John almost twelve years earlier. I stared into the pool of water just beyond my reach where the fish had jumped. The sun by now had fully risen, sprinkling bits of its sunshine on every leaf, reflecting its image onto the stream's surface. The water glowed, and sprays of water from the stream shimmered golden like fallen stars. Falling stars. Well, actually, no, not falling stars. There were too many of them. More like... <laughs> like, can't quite put my finger on it. I was mesmerized by... by it for what must have been ten minutes. My eyes followed the spray, one droplet after another, bouncing off the rocks and back down off the into the stream further off. Fairy dust! Well, that's exactly it, fairy dust. Well, I, I know it seems crazy after my memory, but the spray from the stream, with the light reflecting on it, looked just like fairy dust. I caught myself laughing aloud. Just one short giggle. It broke the stillness of the moment and echoed into the forest. I thought about my children and figured I should be heading back soon. Chapter 2 Drain. Where the hell were you? Was the first thing I could make out above all the noise once I opened the door. I, I just went for a walk. I managed to stammer out. St stammer out. He always scared me when he sounded like this. I froze every time he talked talked to me in that tone of voice. I knew nothing I could say would please him when he got this way. All that would be coming is a fight. Unless I made myself as small as possible and backed right down. Which is what usually happened. All I wanted today was to be able to sleep in. Was that too much to ask? 
These kids have been up tearing the house for for hours. I had no idea where you were. None of us none of us has had breakfast. And look at this place, a filthy mess. What are we? Pigs? There are lots of women who have no problems taking care of their families and keeping a clean house. Well, I don't know why you can blah blah blah. He went on and on. I just phased out. My mind drifted back to my holy land, my abyss. I tried holding on to that peaceful place, that peaceful feeling a little while longer, so I could cope with my day, which was already on a downward spiral. I'm sure he had a point. I was not what you would call an organized woman. I was a little too lax with my children, and let them get away with far too much. I call them my children and not ours, because at that time, I didn't feel there was a we anymore. I didn't want to think of them as ours. They were my babies, my precious darlings, and I didn't want any part of them to be his. I don't know when it was that we started to hate each other. As hard as I tried, I couldn't remember the reason I'd fallen in love with him anymore. I'm sure he felt the same towards me. I was his disappointment. I was his mistake. Sure, maybe he felt some love towards me deep down, but it was nothing compared to the disgust he felt when he looked at me. I had long since given up trying to please him. Our conversations always left me feeling unimportant somehow. I was slipping away, but neither one of us could say it, see it. Are you listening to me? He belted out. I just stared blankly at him for a moment, trying to recall anything he'd said, but I, I couldn't. <laughs> the ticking of the clock was the only thing that could be heard. Tick, 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 tick. Even the children had fallen silent. He stared at me, waiting for an answer, with his fists clenched and upper body leaning toward me. I felt his hot breath on my face. His face contorted into a grotesque-looking creature, full of rage. Such an awkward, scary silence, and I felt mute. There was nothing I could say. Mommy? I felt a soft tug on my pant leg and looked down to see my youngest child looking up at me with innocent eyes. I bent down to, her, to get to her level and set my hands on her waist. What is it, honey? I felt relieved and grateful towards her for delivering me from her father's wrath. He turned and walked away after giving me one last scornful look and some obscenities muttered under his breath. I don't know where he went, and I didn't care. I'm hungry, Mama, she said as she rubbed her eyes. And with that, I started my day. My littlest one, Shara, such a sweet girl. She reminds me of the little girl in the Grinch, the one who asks for a drink of water in the middle of the, middle of the night. She's soft-spoken most of the time and very sensitive. She has the most beautiful eyes I'd ever seen, big, expressive, dark brown eyes. She was born almost six years ago in the middle of winter. Her older sister, Sasha, was two when Sar Shara came into the world. I know, I know that their names are hard to say together. We weren't thinking of how they'd sound together when we named little Shara. Sometimes it makes things confusing around the house, but, well, then again, things in our house are always a little confusing and hectic. Our oldest is little John. That's right, just like Robin Hood. John wanted our boy named after him. He took great pride in having our son carry his full name, 
as you can probably imagine. Things t- tend to get a little mixed up around our house with the two Johns and Shara and Sasha. Personally, I would love to have named little John something more original. <laughs> something, well, anything other than John. Especially now. Jacob, or Luke, or Aaron. But it's too much for that now. Too, it's much too, <laughs> it's much too late for that now. Little John he is. Though little he is not. He's almost as tall as I am at eleven years old. He's always been my big boy. Sturdy and strong. I think you must take after my father. I poured everyone some cereal and milk, which they immediately took to the front of the television set. Wasn't much of a breakfast, and I really didn't see the reason why John couldn't have fixed the same thing for them. We are not watching Care Bears. Give me the remote, John says. No way! Give it to me! John tackled Sasha, sending her cereal bowl flying through the air, which landed surprisingly right side up, though empty a few feet away. Milk and cereal sprayed everywhere. John looked up to see if I saw, and sure enough, (laughs) I caught the entire act. Mom, look what John did. Sasha tattles, never missing a beat. You better clean this up and get me some more. I'm not going to clean it. If you would have just given me the remote, this wouldn't have happened. You always get to watch what you want. Sasha and I want to see the Care Bears. We don't want to watch your sh- Sasha stopped mid-word. Everyone looked to me to see what I would do. Go outside. I'll clean it up. I really wasn't in the mood to try to mediate and force them to clean. I was shocked, but I didn't feel like reprimanding. How can I expect my children to behave and have a clean vocabulary when this is what they see every day with their father around? But I'm hungry, Mama, Shara said. Grab an apple and a granola bar and take it outside, all of you, was my solution. I looked around and thought to myself, where do I start? What's the point? The house really was awful right now. I saw it for a moment through fresh fresh eyes, and I couldn't believe things had gotten this bad. Dirty clothes had been taken off and left wherever they fell. Empty dishes with bits of dried food stuck to the inside were scattered about. Milk now dripped off the walls and was soaking into the carpet and couches and soggy cereal clung to wherever it landed. Much of it had landed on my pile of freshly laundered clothes that I'd been folding, which lay on the couch. I really wanted to run away. I wanted to cry. I did not want to be there any longer. I sunk down to the floor closed my eyes and fought back the tears. It seems silly now that I think about it. Why didn't I just grab a bucket of hot, sudsy water and get to work? But it all just felt too overwhelming at that moment. I heard the kids fighting outside. I heard John Sr. yelling at them. I heard silence. I heard my voice inside my head telling me to pull it together. Get up and do it. I managed to stand up from the floor. I got my hot, soapy water and rag ready and started to clean up the mess. I worked for hours cleaning the entire main floor. Just as I was finishing up the floor washing, Shara burst through the door and ran to the bathroom with her muddy shoes on. Shara! I, I yelled and ran to try to stop her. By the time I got her, she was standing on the carpet outside the bathroom door in a pile of muddy pee, 
quickly being soaked up by the carpet. She was crying. Ugh, I wanted to scream. All my hard work gone in an instant. But she was sad and crying, and I just I felt bad for her. I, I was upset with her, but I couldn't give her trouble when she looked so vulnerable and pathetic, standing there in soaking wet pants and muddy shoes. I really don't know how I managed to make it through that day, or the next. The day was all a blur, blending into... The day was all a blur, blending into the day after that, and on and on. Always the same, day after day. My children were growing up, and I was missing it because my eyes were on all the messes I was cleaning or avoiding, and my hands were in hot, soapy water, or folding clothes, or moving by my side swiftly into the forest. Frustration and overwhelming feelings were all I was familiar with lately. I forgot what a house full of laughter sounded like. My only memories, which, which would stick, were of those moments sitting on my rock by the stream. What a sad existence. I was, I was so lost that I wasn't even aware of how unfair this all was for my children, who deserved to live in a happy home, or with a happy mom children who deserved their own smiles and laughter. I lived each day as I had the day before, never getting ahead, never doing anything of merit, living only slightly above sanity's line. My soul begged for more, pleaded with life to give me anything of meaning. I just could not take the monotonous nothing that my life had become to me. Sadly, I, I couldn't even find those magic moments of getting lost in my child's eyes anymore. I had often heard that motherhood changes everything. But was this how it was supposed to change me? Well, I, I didn't know, so I just accepted it. I may as well have become a robot <laughs> or a Stetford wife. I wish I could say it was my children who kept me going, but it was my soul-filling at the stream, which would give me my strength and determination each day to continue with what had become a boring struggle of just doing it. Chapter 3. Jack. The stream was fast becoming my second home. Since that morning when I first remembered the fairies, they had become a part of my life again. I, I even dug up some of the drawings from the past remembering the details of all their, their life stories. It was remarkable how much I could recall. I placed the drawings of my fairies, my favorite fairies, in a baggie and hid them in a little nook inside the maple. I rarely looked at them, but out there it gave me comfort to know that they were close by. I never felt lonely when I had them near. My absolutely favorite fairy of mine was Bella Buttercup. <laughs> I adored her. I adored her mellowed yellow attire and darling little face. She was the most beautiful of all of my fairies, I thought. She knew she was beautiful, too, and acted accordingly. Though she was not snobbish or arrogant, she was simply flirtatious and playful. She loved to tease and was very good at innocently getting other fairies wrapped around her fingers, though she would not take advantage of them too terribly. She adored everyone and in return was adored by all, male and female fairies alike. She was also the very first fairy I named. 
<laughs> I sometimes thought that her name was called out to me from the paper which bore her image. There was also little Honey Bear. He looked much like a toddler, and I'm sure he would have, I would have treated him as one. He was very cuddly and loved to give kisses. He would sneak them from all the girls. He was so cute that they, they never rep reprimanded him for it. Wary Feather was an older lady fairy who tried hard to see that justice was always served and their work was always done. She wore a light bluish draped dress which blended in with her skin tone. Jack Splat was the comedian and prankster, very colorful in dress and personality. He was never one to shy away from anything, and though he was never taken very seriously, he was the bravest fairy in the bunch. I remember looking at the drawings one by one, remembering as much as I could about their past lives from when I was younger. I had so much creativity when I was young, so much energy. Well, they say youth is wasted on the young. I'd like to believe I'm still young, but my lack of energy makes me feel twice my age at times. Perhaps I would no longer be considered young. I sat back leaning against the tree and let the drawings fall out of my hand while I thought, I'm just so tired lately, exhausted. Some days I wish I could just lay down under blankets in a dark, cold room and sleep my life away. Sleep isn't giving, giving me enough energy, though. I'll have to make some major changes if I really want to have lasting energy. I have to change my diet. I have to exercise. I have to get sleep, but not sporadic sleep. Or sleep while my kids are jumping on my bed trying to get my attention. I need the real quality sleep, like the, the 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. sleep rather than the 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. sleep. Life has just become exhausting. But I seem to be doing all I can to keep it that way rather than working to change these things. It's just one more thing I have to change. The list is always never-ending. My head hurts. I think I'm done with this for a while. Thoughts. Always thoughts spilling into my conscious. Nothing much. Just thoughts. I knew what I had to do, but the catch-22 of not having the energy to do the things I needed to do in order to get the energy that I needed to have was keeping me in one place. Though some days I felt I could do anything when I was out there. I knew I was capable of anything I set my mind to. So what was holding me back? Crackers. Uh, what the hell? No one was there. I know my lack of sleep was catching up, but hearing voices? So you finally heard me, did you? I stayed as quiet as I could, in shock like a deer caught in the headlights. Eventually I got the nerve to look around and make sure no one was there. I heard nothing for a moment. Then the tune of Jeopardy being whistled. I'm waiting. <whistles> what? I nervously replied. That wasn't very nervous. <laughs> very rude welcoming. Very rude welcoming you've given me after all these years. All, all these years? What did you mean by cracker? How, how are crackers holding me back? Jeez, Louise and crackers, you've gone right batty now, haven't you? Who are you? And well, where are you? I'm your dream man, your lovey-dovey perfect per 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 picture of perfection. I'm your soulmate. See the frog down by the boulder at the other side of the stream there? 
I looked towards the other side of the stream and spotted a frog much larger than I'd ever seen in that area before. That's me, the strange voice says. You have only to bend down, pick me up, and give me a big puckered up kiss on the lips. Or mouth, I suppose. Frogs don't have lips now, do they? <laughs> and you'll receive all you ever dreamed of. I am your prince, milady. <laughs> a prince? At this I had to laugh. Imagination or not, I had to admit it was entertaining. So this is what it feels like to be going insane, I thought to myself. Slightly worried, but more fascinated with all the realness of what I was imagining. Or thought I was imagining. I calmed down a little once I accepted that I was hearing a voice seemingly appearing from nowhere. You dare laugh at me, milady? Of course, it's it's absurd. What is absurd? This. You. I mean, you weren't real. I knew I had an imagination, but this is just beyond anything I would have thought I could dream up. Why am I not real? Watch me jump. As I, as I heard this being said, the little frog actually did jump. Well, big frog, I guess. Now I was getting a little bit freaked out. Aha! Real enough now, aren't I? Come here and give me a kiss. I'm tired of being in this wet, slippery skin. Come on. My God, I really am going nuts. <laughs> I'm making a frog talk to me, I thought. I'm not kissing some frog. This isn't real. You, you are not real. And yet you still reply to me. How kind of you to keep the conversation going, though you know I don't exist. <laughs> Good point, I thought to myself conscious now to keep quiet and not reply to the voice. Well, are we through with our little chat then? Finish talking to me, are you? The voice teased. I really did want to keep chatting to the voice. He, or it, was amusing, and I, I was enjoying our discussion, but frankly, I was getting a little worried about reinforcing this lunatic behavior of mine. I really didn't want to be going crazy. I didn't think that I had any good reason to be. I wondered if this must be what it's like to take drugs. I'd hated what drugs could do and has done to so many people, so I vowed never to try them. Yes, I'd have personal experiences of people close to me getting involved with drugs, but I, I don't want to get into that right now. I'm getting sidetracked already. Very well, then, the voice said. Goodbye. I do hope we meet again, and that you can hear me next time as well. The frog took a hop away from me. Wait! I suddenly realized I, I really didn't want to be alone. As crazy as it all was, I was enjoying the company. I was enjoying the conversation. I was more alert than I'd been in years, and I liked that. I didn't want to go away. I didn't want it to go away, whatever it was. Yes? Well... I wasn't finished talking to you. I see. So I'm real? I don't know. Not real. Well, then I really should go. I have no place being here if I'm not real. <laughs> it was a lovely chat. I very much enjoyed talking with you. Cracker. No, I... I really don't want you to go. Come now. This is nonsense, isn't it? You're talking to a frog, aren't you? Well, now you sound like me. And that does make sense, doesn't it? I thought, yes, it does make sense if it's my imagination or craziness or whatever doing this to me. Uh-huh. I'll just go, he said. No, please don't go. I just, I just don't know. This is very strange. 
I should know better, right? I'm an adult. And as an adult, I know that a frog would never talk to me unless, you know, talking through Lucy, <laughs> you know, like Lucy in the sky with, uh, yeah, it's a Beatles song. I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to be witty. Anyways, I can't understand why I would hear a frog talk unless I'm going mad and it's a little scary. I really don't know the proper way to handle all this. I'm, I'm, I understand, lady. Why don't you just give me a little kiss and you can put all this behind you? No one's here to see you kiss a frog. Come on now, he jided. If I remain a frog, you'll know you're insane. If I turn into your prince, well, then we have our whole lives ahead of us, don't we? You should be through with the real reptile you call a husband. He's a snake, and you know it. A snake, and you still manage to kiss him every evening. Oh, what's worse now? Kissing a snake or a frog? One kiss, milady, and you shall see. <laughs> oh, what a frog won't do for a kiss. Oh, so you will then. It's the perfect test to see if I am, as you say, real, or if you're really on the road to insanity. You really must kiss me, he teased. <laughs> no. Why are you afraid? <laughs> afraid? I thought a bit. Maybe. I see. Well, perhaps I'm going about this the wrong way. I shouldn't be forceful with a lady I love. I should allow you the chance to get to know me, shouldn't I? <laughs> this is just too much. It really is. <laughs> too much. I suppose it's too much for now for one of your world. I might have made a mistake thinking you were ready then. I sat contemplating the situation for a moment quietly. It really was a sucker for romance. And what could be ro more romantic than kissing a frog to find true love? I can honestly think of an easy 100 or more other more romantic moments. I laughed at this thought. <laughs> well, what could it really hurt? Right then, shall I pucker up? He sounded excited. I swallowed and gathered my nerves up. <sighs> it's now or never. I said as I reached over and picked up the little frog in my hands, closed my eyes, and kissed the wettest, slippery set of <laughs> lips I had ever kissed before. I opened my eyes to hysterical laughter and a perplexed-looking little frog still sitting on my palm. Well, that did it. I was officially crazy. The frog was still a frog. The voice was still there, laughing at me and I was feeling embarrassed over having apparently fooled myself into kissing a frog. <sighs> How desperate was I at getting out of this life that I would conjure up a vo voice to talk me into such foolishness. Ah, <laughs> oh, crackers, you crack me up. That was priceless. Go away, I managed to say. Go away, just when things are getting good. No way! <laughs> I'm here to stay, Missy. Just go away, I shouted. Come on, cracker. Chill out, princess. I was just playing with you. Crackers? Are you calling me crackers? It's just a little nickname I made up for you. Do you approve? Approve? No! But damn it, this isn't happening. I'm not nuts. I don't accept this. Aw, crackers is just my pet name for you. It has nothing to do with you being nuts. You aren't crazy at all. You're my special lady. My very large special lady. Oh, thanks. Now I'm large? <laughs> I started to tear up. Well, compared to me, you are. Can you see me yet? 
Not anymore if you're the frog. You hopped away after I kissed you. Oh my God, not even a frog wants me. I sulked. Ah, princess. Look over here, he said, as I heard a loud cracking of rocks just up the stream from me. Well, don't look too hard. Just gaze into the spray of water. I looked as a tear dropped from my cheek and was whisked away with the water of the stream. I didn't see anything. I tried not trying to see, but that, that just made it even more forced. The reality of my life suddenly felt hurling onto me, and I broke down in tears. God, what is happening to me? I crawled, called out into the forest. Shh, it's all right, my dear. It's not so easy to see us fairies at first. It doesn't come right away. I'm sure my heart stopped when I heard the weird word fairy. My head jerked around to the water spray as I started to see an outline of a tiny body appearing as more dense droplets of golden water. The water got more and more dense until finally I could see a very tiny, very colorful little man covered in sparkles of golden sunlight. My tears of frustration turned into tears of delight and incredulity. My little friend, oh, I recognized him right away. Jack, I laughed a hearty laugh for one. He laughed a hearty laugh for one so small. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, but I want to. My heart welled up at the sight of him. Timidly, I asked, can I believe this? Is this real? I felt my whole life hinged on this one moment in time. I can't answer that for you, darling. What does your heart say? A smile spread across my face as the final tear dropped into the, s the stream and was carried away. Well, there now. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> Much. <laughs> I said, feeling less uptight and more happy. But how did you make the frog talk to me? He laughed. <laughs> the frog didn't talk. That was me. Well, but he jumped when you said he would. I poked him. <laughs> you couldn't see me fully, so it was easy to guide him where I wanted him to. Frogs, is not, frogs are not as smart as they look, you know. <laughs> you really are a tease. Just how I had imagined. <laughs> I laughed. I can't believe you made me kiss that poor frog. Well, not so poor. As famous as that frog tale fabled, as that frog prince fable is, there aren't many frogs getting kissed in the world. He was very lucky. I should have jumped in his place. I couldn't get the smile off my face now. I had forgotten how mixed up I'd felt now that he was talking, now that I was talking to the one I had known so well and been so close to, yet never thought I would actually see or meet. I used to watch you sitting here. I recognized you from years ago when you used to listen to us. And that's all I have for that one.